Hi, everybody. It's New Year's Eve day and the last Sunday of 2023. And at Journey of Faith, we use this last Sunday of the year to give our volunteers a Sabbath rest, especially the the hundreds of volunteers that serve in our kids ministry every week. And we also give our physical campuses a rest. And so we're all online today. We also know that those of you who love attending church every Sunday, this Sunday is actually an invitation, even an encouragement to visit the church of a friend or a family or a neighbor and see what God is doing in different places and through different people. And and I hope for those of you that take advantage of that, uh, I hope that'll be a great experience. And given that it's New Year's Eve day, I want to wish all of you a happy new year. And uh, in advance, uh, please be safe and responsible in whatever way that you're celebrating tonight. I want to finish 2023 and start 2024 with you by sharing something that I've been reading about in my own personal spiritual life that has significantly impacted me. And I believe it's going to influence part of what we do as a church in 2024. And let me tell you about it by sharing with you a question that someone asked me in the checkout line at the Dollar Tree uh, about a month ago. So I'm in this checkout line and in the other checkout line is this really, let's say, unique looking older man who was kind of staring at me with a curious look on his face. And we both finished paying and we're getting ready to leave. And he points at me and says, what is it? And I thought he was looking at my bag and what I had just bought. So I I was a little confused, a little bit nervous. And then he says it again, what is it? And I realized that he's pointing to the shirt I'm wearing. And here's a picture of the shirt that I'm wearing. It, it says, follow the call. This is the motto of the college that my daughter's planning on attending. And he asks again, what is it? What's, what's the call? So I'm like, what do I say to this stranger here in Dollar Tree? So I just said what I knew. I said, follow Jesus. And then this unique old man pauses, stares at me, and then stoically goes, and then walks out. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was such a great encounter. It was so great. I thought about that a little bit because if somebody were to ask you, what is your call? How would you answer? Maybe you're like, oh, I'm called to my job, or I'm called to this school, or I'm called to raise great kids, or called to some other specific thing in your life right now. But honestly, a lot of us really don't feel called to our jobs. We just work there. We don't feel called to our school. We just go there. And that's okay. There's a lot of really good and necessary things that we do in life. We don't have to have a follow the call kind of motivation behind them. But I think if we go bigger and more broad and somebody were to say, what's your call in life? I think a lot of us would say, I don't think I have one. But I'd argue that you do. I believe that we all have a call in life because God has a call. And when we connect with God, God's call becomes our call. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. It's this topic, 
the mission of God. So I just finished reading six books on this subject of the mission of God, including this monster of a book. It's called The Mission of God, Unlocking the Bible's Grand Narrative. And it's starting to kind of reformat my thinking and my behavior. And the idea here is that God has been on a mission from the very beginning of the world. And God invites us to join that mission. And here's the idea for today. We can join God's mission to help humanity flourish through Jesus. Now, that word flourish means to grow and to thrive. And it's actually a lot bigger than helping people personally believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Because the mission of God starts all the way back at the creation of the world. God was and continues to want to create the best environments for all of humanity to grow and thrive. But unfortunately, we human beings have a tendency to push back on that. Let me give you some examples. Look at how the Bible starts unpacking the mission of God and our response to it. Genesis 1 and 2, God makes a beautiful world for humanity to thrive. But in Genesis 3, humanity chooses self-destruction. Genesis 4 through 5, God sends out humanity to fill the earth with goodness. Genesis 6, humanity spreads violence and division. Genesis 7 through 10, God restarts his mission to fill the earth with goodness. Genesis 11, humanity huddles together to focus on their own glory. There's this big narrative that begins with God wanting to bless the world, just rooted in his own goodness. And and we human beings have a tendency to either pull in or run away from that flourishing. We're either self-focused, independent, anxious. Uh, Bible scholar Christopher Wright puts it this way. In Genesis 1 through 11, we see the great creative mission of God being constantly thwarted and spoiled in ways that affect not just human well-being, but the whole cosmos. And that's just the first 11 chapters of the Bible. But something really unique and important happens in chapter 12 of Genesis, and that it carries all the way into history. God speaks to a man who was living in what is now modern-day Iraq. And here's what it says. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All families of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, if you notice as I was reading this, hopefully you're reading along kind of in your mind as I was reading it, there's a word that comes up all the time. At the heart of God's mission is this word bless. God's mission to Abraham and then through Jesus and then passed on to us is to be a blessing to people, to 
point people to God's goodness and love and, and forgiveness. And who is this blessing for? You can see right here, all the families on earth. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, and I mentioned how easy it is for us to become overly individualistic, thinking God's blessing is for me and people just like me, or we can get nationalistic. God's blessing is for my country, our country, our people group. But God's plan is actually for the whole world. It's for all humanity. In fact, when the Bible writers talk about the mission of God, they use this phrase, all the nations. It comes up all the time. And look at just a quick list of all the times where that phrase, all the nations, comes up in the Bible. Look at this. Starts here in Genesis. (laughs) That's amazing. I read this other book called Mission is the Shape of Water. And this book really helped me get the idea that God's mission um, takes the form of the needs in the community that are right in front of us. Here's how uh, the author, Michael Frost, puts it. Our mission never changes, but the words we use and how we demonstrate God's reign are situation-specific. The exact contours of the mission of God's people are fluid, just like water. Mission is determined by the container into which it is poured. So let me give you an example. In the early days of Christianity, because of poor health care, care for the sick and dying was one form that the mission of God took. Hospitals and hospices formed by Jesus' followers to help people flourish by pointing them to Jesus and caring for their needs. And that happens in other places in the world where healthcare is an issue. That's the shape the mission takes. At other times in Christian history, the mission took the form of education and scholarship. Ancient followers of Jesus were like, hey, we need to translate the Bible, and there's a bunch of non-Christian literature we should be copying and translating so we can help people with education and wisdom, and we should teach people to read. And so that's still something that happens in areas where there's illiteracy or where there's a need for education and wisdom. And then in different times and eras, Jesus' followers were advocates for social reform, things like slavery and discrimination, even women's rights. And where those are issues, that's how the mission of God, what the mission of God looks like in those areas. And the cool part is when you read the New Testament of the Bible, you see the mission of God shaped around the unique needs and and issues happening in a city where people lived. Like in the letter to the Romans, uh, this was written to people who were living with ethnic tension between Jewish and non-Jewish people. Or when you read the book of Ephesians, it's actually written to people who were living in an area where there was a lot of occult activity and, and witchcraft. And then when you read the letter of Corinth, uh, the letter of Corinthians, it was written to an area that is a lot like um, 
ancient Los Angeles and New York and Las Vegas combined. So sexual ethics are a big issue there, income equality. And there was a lot of like, like excited teaching about the end of the world that was making people anxious. So, but what, what does the mission of God look like for us here in the South Bay? I can tell you about journey of faith. So because the mission of God is for all nations, our mission is much bigger than what's happening in the South Bay. We are actually partnered with global partners who are shaping water where they're at. So for example, um, we have, uh, we're partnered with people that are doing refugee support and relationship building with Muslim immigrants in France, as well as England. Uh, the Muslim population is growing. And so there's a desire for people coming into France and England to get settled, to have their families, to get stable, but they also want to learn and they want to grow. And many of the Muslims that come into France and England have never really been exposed to positive, direct communication with Christians. And so that's some of what's happening overseas. Uh, We're building communities through coral reef restoration in the Philippines. This is an amazing project as uh, some of the, the... the local fishing in communities has been compromised. Um, and so we have some mission partners that are working to redevelop coral reefs. And it, it actually brings communities together. And then there's flourishing happening in those communities. And it's all through the idea of helping people realize the beauty of creation because of a good God making it. We also have ministry development and training in Guatemala in, and in Honduras. We're starting churches in Ireland, Cambodia, and Estonia. By the way, all three of those areas have less than 3% of Protestant Christians in the population. There's actually higher percentages of Protestant Christians in Iran and Iraq than there are in Ireland, Cambodia, and Estonia. Um, We're also doing pastor and spiritual leader training in 12 different African countries. There's a lot of places in the world that still don't have a Bible in their language. We do here in the South Bay. You can go to any bookstore, you can go online and get it. Um, But there's still other languages that haven't been translated. So we partner with Bible translators. And then we also have training and soul care and family support for our missionaries' families. So there's a lot of people out in the world doing the mission And we're joining them and help support them. But what does it look like right here in the South Bay? The South Bay is a really unique place because it's actually one of the most unchurched places in the United States. What that means is 80% of people who live in the South Bay have either no church experience or negative church experience which makes doing God's mission and church here in the South Bay very different than the South or the East Coast or the Midwest. Our shape of water has to take the form and the container of the people and spiritual climate in the South Bay. So here's how we do that. Understandable and practical Bible teaching for post-Christian, that's people who grew up with Christianity, but maybe left it. They might consider themselves post-Christian or 
pre-Christian, like, oh, I don't know anything about Christianity. Really communicating it to them. And that's why sometimes our teaching style is different than what you would hear online from other churches in areas where people are very familiar with the Bible. Also, easy to access programs for kids, students, and families. That's really important here in the South Bay. So we really put a lot of work and emphasis and care into that. Friendly and non-judgmental groups to learn more about following Jesus. This is so important because if people don't know a lot about Christianity or they've had negative experiences, what they need is oftentimes a safe place of relational, healthy followers of Jesus. Sometimes as Christians, we're like, oh, I want to dive into something where we can get more heady or more deep or more theological. But if we're on mission, we need to think, what do the people in the community need? And that leads to the last one, outreach and service projects that address issues our people care about. We, we don't have Bible translation problems here in the South Bay. We, we don't have the same kind of healthcare issues like you'd have in Central Africa. We don't have a lack of resources like you might have in, in Cuba or in um, Chile. We have unique situations of homelessness, foster care system, um, some other problems in this area where we're like, this is the form the mission could take. And we're always keeping track of that with our local officials. We talk with our local officials, say, what are the needs and how can we partner to do that? And the cool thing about being here in the South Bay is, is while 80% of the people are not connected to a church, we actually have a lot of churches around here. So we all do ministry a little bit different. And that means there's a church for all different people. And that's good because when we're on mission, there's no competition among churches. So let me make this kind of real practical in a way. Let's finish 2023 and head into 2024. Let me share with you a couple of ways that you can stay on mission in your everyday life. Here's the first one. When facing conflict, stay focused on the mission of God. I think I shared with you that our church staff right now, we're reading through the New Testament book of John uh, and we're talking about it. So we're going through the life and teachings of Jesus. And there's this great story in John chapter four where a, a woman meets Jesus at a well. And the woman's drawing water out of the well and Jesus and this woman start having a conversation about physical water. And Jesus wants to talk to her about her spiritual life. And she keeps changing the subject. Like she starts talking about politics. And Jesus really creatively and gently pivots her in the conversation to start talking about her spirituality. And then she quickly shifts and starts talking about religious differences. And Jesus, again, just wisely kind of tries to redirect her to talk about her spirituality. And through the course of the story, this woman has a powerful experience with Jesus. What I'm amazed by at this story is how Jesus works hard not to go into these rabbit hole divisive conversations. And it's really a good model for us. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have 
detailed discussions, um, that we should even have debates about specific topics. But we always have to be asking, what's the goal here? God's mission is to help people flourish in Jesus. Is my conversation doing that? Is my character in these conversations helping that? Am I speaking in a way that is inviting to someone that doesn't follow Jesus? And I have a cool story that I'm going to tell you about that uh, in a minute. But it's the love and the character of God that should really fuel and direct our words and our actions. And that's what should make us different. And I've been trying to learn, I'm more interested in winning people than winning arguments. And, and as someone very gifted in debate, I, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to lead with invitation rather than intimidation. And that's how some of our culture, our culture loves just like pushing on each other and intimidating each other to win an argument. That's actually not what God's calling us to do. Um, and I have to admit, that there are times where I don't have the mission of God on my mind. Sometimes I have the mission of Jason and I need to own up to that. And we all need to own up to those times where it's our mission and not God's mission. Another great book I read uh, is called Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history. And it's this great book that's filled with all these stories of great things Christianity has done, but also Christians misrepresenting God. And the author is really great. He says, imagine Jesus's life and teachings as a beautifully composed piece of music, maybe even the most technically brilliant music ever composed. And Christians have been trying to play that music for centuries, and many Christians are tone deaf. And we have performed Jesus's melody poorly. So we have to own up to that. But, but maybe as we step into the new year, this would be a good question to ask. What shape will the mission of God take in your 2024? You know what it means? It means look around. See where the needs are. See the people that are challenged and not flourishing in your neighborhood your workplace, your employees, uh, your friends or family? How can you love them and communicate blessing into their life so they can be the best version of themselves? Because that can actually move them closer to Jesus. And, and to be honest with you, maybe some of that flourishing in, in this coming year needs to happen inside of, of us, inside of you. We're going to actually start a series in January called Right Side Up, and we're going to talk a little bit about the basic teachings of Jesus and how they can help us turn our lives around in the right way so we can live with him and for him. But what are some of those areas in your personal life that need some help so that you can flourish? Maybe it's time to stop drinking. Maybe this is the year. Maybe you need to get healthier have a better work-life balance. Maybe there's some relationships that need healing. Some of you need to go ahead and pull the trigger and get into Christian therapy to deal with that issue you've been avoiding. And for some of you, your spiritual life has kind of stalled out 
Um, that happened to a lot of people in 2020. And maybe you've never been able to get back to where you were. Uh, instead of trying to get back to what you used to be, maybe you could start fresh. And if you haven't been back to church in a while, this is the year to do it. Um, I've been working on some stuff this year, and I'm going to move into next year working on it. just my own wellness and health. That's one of those areas where I believe the mission of God and my ability to be on mission for God is directly connected with how I'm caring for myself. And we're actually going to do a series next year where we talk about the, the intersection between spirituality and wellness. And hopefully that can be of help to you. I know it's, it's helping me and even preparing for that. Here's one more way that you can be on mission, uh, especially next year. When things don't go your way, look for the mission of God. I think it's safe to say that there's going to be plenty of things that don't go your way in 2024. Maybe you're going to go through a job change, maybe even a career change, one that you didn't choose. You're going to have health issues. Maybe you didn't or aren't going to get into that school that you wanted to go to or you want to be in that friendship group and you've been trying and you're just not in it. 2024 is an election year. Over half of the country won't get what they want. And even in our spiritual lives, there are things that you are going to pray for and hope for next year that you will not get. And when that happens, I want you to ask God this. What is the shape of water you want your mission to take now? Given the fact that my life is not as I want it to be, God, how can I follow the call? And let me give you a quick example of this from the Bible that stands out to me so strongly. At one point in history, God's people weren't on mission with him. And God tried to correct them, like we read about in the first few chapters of Genesis, but they didn't respond to that. So what he did is he uprooted them and he sent them to live in a foreign country with their enemies. They were exiled. And maybe you can imagine them crying out, God, I'm in this awful place. Get me out of here. We want to be with our people in our country, uh, surrounded by people that have our values. Maybe, maybe you've said that kind of thing over the last couple of years even. I think the, those God's people, that uh, they were in foreign territory. They were also like, well, I'm definitely not going to bring kids into this awful world. And I'm ready to leave at any moment. I'm not settling down. I'm waiting for some miraculous thing where God's going to take me out of this terrible situation. Look how God responds to their prayers. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Look what he says. Build homes and plan to stay, plant gardens, and eat the food they produce. Multiply, don't dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. 
pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Notice God uses like spiritual battle language, but he's not saying fight your enemy and he's not saying flee from your enemy. In fact, he switches from battle language to farmer language, saying plant gardens, eat the food, build homes. He's like, bloom where you're planted. God is saying, I have a purpose for you right where you are. For some of you, God has a plan in that job that you don't like. God's working on you and your character. Help that workplace be a great place. Bring your best. Bless it. Some of you are complaining about your spouse. Work on you. Be the best spouse ever. Some of you are like, dang, I didn't get into that school. You know what? It might be because God doesn't want you in that school. Some of you are like, I don't like my neighbors. That's because you aren't praying for God to bless them. It's really hard to hate people that you are praying that God will bless. And let me give you a, a kind of a personal note about the South Bay and journey of faith, especially as we move into an election year. You're not going to hear me complain about the culture or the politics or the spiritual climate of Southern California. Why? Because I love everything about it? No. Because I'm on mission. When I talk to missionaries in tough places in the world, they don't hate it there. And if they do hate it, they need to leave because they're not on mission anymore. The goal is to help places flourish and that's what God is calling us to. And I know people who have moved out of California for other states. And if that's one of you, if, I hope you find the shape of water where you are at. But I can tell you, over the last seven years, I've gotten more excited about the shape of water right here, about following the call with the unique needs in the South Bay and helping people flourish and inviting them to follow Jesus here's what I'd like you to pray about. Would you pray for God to give you a new sense of mission in one challenging area of your life? Now, I'm not saying shut down your feelings of disappointment or sadness or frustration. That's, that's toxic positivity. Grieve. If you're going through a tough time, feel those feelings, right? But at the same time, ask God to help you see the mission right in front of you. God wants to help other people flourish and help you flourish. And that means when we're in those challenging situations, let's say, God, give me a picture of the flourishing you want to have happen, even in this spot that I might not want to be in. Now, let me close by telling you one more thing, uh, something I experienced while I was overseas in Estonia this summer. Here's a, a picture of Tallinn. Um, and I've, I've shared a couple of times over the last few months of, of some stories from Estonia. And Estonia is this beautiful country in the Baltic area of Eastern Europe. And they actually have a long history of struggling for their independence. 
Let me go back a little bit. In 1950, the communist Soviets took control of Estonia and locked down Estonia in addition to interrogations and intimidation and persecution of so many people, the Soviets started closing churches. And they told all these small Estonian churches that they could only use one building for worship. And they thought, well, that'll kill Christianity here. But the Christians actually gathered together with their differences and basically formed a megachurch. And when the Soviets realized that it didn't work, they bugged the building so they could listen in on all the conversations happening in the church. So you know what the Estonian pastors did? They started creating sermons specifically for the Soviets who were listening. And people came to Jesus. In the late 1980s and early 1990s with Perestroika, Estonia got their independence again. And there's actually a radio station in Estonia that plays Soviet-era sermons. And that big church that they all gathered into, I, I had an opportunity to preach in that church while I was there. And it was such an honor to be in this place of such history. Okay, so what's the point here? The Estonians were on mission. They want their country to flourish, even though they have a small group of them. They know when the country flourishes, they flourish. And even when the hardships came, they were still on mission. And I think that's a model for us. And, and something very interesting in particular about the bugging, when they realized non-followers of Jesus were listening, they were much more thoughtful and intentional of the kinds of things they would say. I think when we're in conversations at work, in our neighborhood, on social media, let's assume people that either don't know anything about Jesus or have the wrong idea of Jesus based on hostile, angry, politicized Christians, Let's pretend like they're listening all the time. And what would it be like if all of our conversation, if all of our discussion with each other and the way we at Journey of Faith do, even our sermons, communicate with such salt and light and beauty and invitation that it actually creates a thirst for the kind of flourishing that God wants, not just for the whole world, but specifically here for the South Bay. Let me pray for us and pray for you as we enter the new year uh, that, that this will be an amazing year for flourishing. Not because the world will produce it, but because God is doing it and we're going to join God's mission. Let me pray for us. God, as we're finishing this year, um, we got a lot going on. Next year is going to be full of challenges. God, help us to be more focused on your mission, no matter what comes our way. No matter what conflicts or divisions or challenges, thank you that your mission is bigger than all of that. And give us wisdom in our conversations with each other, our conversations on social media, and in our work, with our family, Help us to communicate in a way 
where we know other people who are, they're just hungry for, for goodness and love and forgiveness. Help our words be an invitation to all of that. God, do what you have to do in our hearts so we can be more on mission for you in 2024. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy New Year, everybody.